Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us again today, we have Travis Bowe of Watchman Minute. Welcome back. Hello there. Yeah, thanks for, for coming back, Travis. Glad My pleasure. And we are here today to talk about Minute 34. So Dave, tell the kind people what they're in for. So in Minute 34, Phil's joyriding ends with taking down that that, that <laughs> Tony Phil groundhog sign. Uh, Phil insults the cops by ordering some burgers and flapjacks, spends the night in jail, only to wake up in Mrs. Lancaster's bed and breakfast. It's like magic. Magic. <laughs> yeah. So we start off with, uh, yeah, Big Phil gets it. <laughs> I guess my, my theory of allowing a person to come to harm is kind of shot here when he wrecks the car and uh, you got Gus like uh, saying <laughs> yeah. that his knee gets hurt. So. Well, he kind of, you know, this when they got in, Phil did say, fasten your seatbelts. Mm, and we did yeah. note at the time, it didn't look like anyone actually put seatbelts on. Yeah. He, he, I guess and he before they get in, uh, you know, Ralph says that he's going to throw up, you know, probably both, like <laughs> yeah. outside and in the car. And there's no way they go over those bumpy tracks and neither, you know, Gus nor Ralph hurl in the car. I, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, that may be the least believable part of this movie. Yeah, that, it all falls apart that for me Ralph after has, that. Yeah, that Ralph has not Ralphed at this point. Mm-hmm. During, yeah, where, I mean, the, the, the crazy drive they've been on, even a sober person <laughs> might have yeah. lost it. And the one thing I noticed, we were kind of wondering how much, what percentage of the Punxsutawney police force is in on this chase. And I just noticed as the cars pull up behind Phil, we see these are cars two and three. Yeah. So there's at least three police cars in this department. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they, yeah, maybe one is like the the one they. Or that's back a with. trick that they pull. They, there is no car number one, but they want criminals to think <laughs> that there's car number one is somewhere out there still. Uh, wait, wait a second. Well, wait, we had the one car that was chasing around the center that then that that was at the diner when they started joyriding, mm-hmm. and then it probably that's when I probably followed them on the tracks. But I thought we saw two that came up behind the Sears store over the hill. So that's two and three. Right. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't see the – and you can see the third car right here. You go, go like, look, look at a second 12. We got – you can just see the bumper of it on the right side of the screen. Yeah, well, I wondered about that because, yeah, we, you don't – you can't definitely see that it's a cop car or police car. But, yeah, when they're walking up – we see the two cars with lights, and then, yeah, there's that third car. We just see the bumper. Yeah, I mean, I said around, around ten, second 10. You can see it's got white. It's got a white hood. It so. is, yeah, it is a white hood. It's a Chevy. I think the other two cars are also Chevys, although it's a different model because you see the two police cars that we definitely – we can see the lights and the, the badge on the door and everything. They have hood ornaments, but the third car where we just see the bumper does not have a hood ornament. But it is Do white. You figure how many be? how many white cars are there in Punxsutawney? Like white sedans. They probably yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot. I feel like a lot of the cars that been in Punxsutawney 
so far in these days we've seen there there are a lot of dark colors mm-hmm. i mean actually in the back the, actually it's funny that you mentioned it second 10 <laughs> oh, again yeah, there's um, <laughs> a white bronco i think yeah the mm-hmm. old 90s white bronco we know them well Oh, actually, and also look here, we got second 19. I should have wrote this down earlier. We actually get three people in the back watching what's going on. Hmm. And uh, some more in the back, too. So he has about like eight or nine people that probably came out of their house, probably hearing wow. all the cops and the, and the and the noise. Probably ran out to see what's going on. Oh, yeah, we do see. So they're, yeah, probably drawing a crowd because that would have made some noise driving through the the big wooden groundhog and then hitting the parked cars. Uh, yeah, that would have been a loud noise. Yeah. So attracting some attention oh, there. Oh, Cheryl Gowdy got all three cars. <laughs> all three police cruisers are out there. I'm just going right with a Milwaukee uh, fake accent right there. Right. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, – so at least according to the Internet Movie Cars database, there are at least two different models of of Chevy that they're using as police cars. There's the – an 81 Impala and an 80, 1980 Chevy Caprice Classic that both uh, feature in the film as police cars. It looks like so that it looks like that's the Impala that doesn't have the hood ornament while the okay. the Caprice does. So yeah, so that probably is so like maybe that's car number 1 that we just see the bumper of. Um, in that again, yeah, around second 10, 12. So they are out in force. I guess it's like the whole, mm-hmm. the whole town, the whole force there. And this seems like, um, so this line that, that Phil gives, you know, he starts ordering, uh, cheeseburgers, <laughs> two large fries. That sounds like the kind of thing, like if you want to spend the night in jail and, and not that he, I mean, at this point for the amount of damage that, you know, it isn't just a, uh, a chase, you know, he wasn't just speeding. He, and it wasn't just this groundhog at the end, um, that Phil's hit. They went over some trash cans, some mailboxes and whatnot. I mean, he was probably going to be spending the night in prison anyway, or, or jail anyway. But if you want to endangerment, you want assurances, if you definitely want to get locked up for whatever reason, yeah. Ordering, you know, a drive through meal when the police come up to the window is probably a good way of doing that. Actually, yeah. Yeah. check this out. Once again, second 10, you can see the cop on the right. He's got his gun trained on Phil. Mm-hmm. So really, I feel like the other two cops, like, they shouldn't even approach the guy now. They shouldn't approach the car because, like, they have a guy who's covering them. But, like, you know, if they pull up to the window, he can't get a good clean shot, God forbid, if Phil was a maniac with a gun. So if anything, maybe maybe that, that cop on the right should have said, well, hold back. Let's see, like, let's see what these two, these crazos do. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had the balls to pull off the move of ordering food, uh, you know, if I ever get pulled over for speeding or whatever. Yeah, and and unfortunately, I live in a world where there is a tomorrow and there are consequences, (laughs) so not something I'm likely to be doing. Although there's supposedly at least two real-life inspirations for this event. There's a couple times where actual people have, have done this, famous enough people that we've heard about it. Um, at least this is according to um, IMDb. They've got two tales. One is Paul Lind supposedly led the police on a high-speed chase through the San Fernando Valley and you know crashed. And when the police came up, he lowered the window 
and said, I'll have a cheeseburger, hold the onions in a large Sprite. <laughs> and they have another account with the uh, the comedian Shecky Green in Las Vegas uh, was intoxicated and drove his car into uh, the fountain in front of Caesar's Palace. And supposedly when he got out of the car, he said, clean the floor mats and no hot wax. <laughs> Nice. I guess you've got to be – there's a certain level of either, you know, either, you know, supernatural immortalness that Phil has in this movie or mm-hmm. if you're famous enough and intoxicated enough. You, you try <laughs> that. But uh, If you're a yeah. celebrity in an emergency. Yeah. Both. But, mm-hmm. uh, but this is – yeah, this is not not for the normal person either in terms of notoriety or fame and and intoxication. Um, so yeah, don't try that at home. Yeah. So I, so once again, we're looking, I feel bad. We're, we, we see, we see Gus and Ralph and Gus has got a bad, you know, his leg must've got hurt real bad. And he's kind of squirming in pain. Uh, when his head, he's got a head injury and, and his leg injury, his knee and you know, Ralph, yeah, you said, you know, why isn't Ralph vomited from this? So when the cop pulls up, I wonder if like if both of them are kind of like, all right, once they realize that Phil's doing this like smart aleck, you know, takeout meal, I like to think Gus is like, okay, well, I am in pain. I'm going to play up the I'm in pain. Like, I, I mean, no trouble. I'm in pain. And I wonder if Ralph's like, I, Ralph had to have sobered up out of straight fear of that train coming at him. Like, just that- oh, I don't, I don't think Ralph knows what's going on at all. I don't think he gets the situation because his line about flapjacks is is totally genuine. He's not playing you know, playing with Phil mm-hmm. as far as ordering food. He's like, Oh, Oh, we're ordering food. You know, the office flapjacks is uh, the way he plays it. It's, it's completely serious okay. on his end. Cause I wasn't sure if he's like, yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm already drunk. Let me lean into the drunk thing more. <laughs> or he's nah, like, he gets what's going on. Well, now it's also, I'm scared. It's like he had, a, God forbid he hit the dashboard. Now he has a concussion and he does not know where he is. And so he's like, we're at the drive through. I did wonder because yeah, the- I, I noticed, well, just going back to last minute, when, so when they're on the tracks and the train's coming, like Ralph doesn't say anything, but he he looks for a moment, he looks like he's sobered up, like like, like that kind of got his, t- his attention, the oncoming train kind of snapped him out of it. But yeah, when, we, when he actually talks, he certainly sounds like he's someone who is not sobered up at all. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's like it's second seven. Like yes, uh, he's like he's got this like wide-eyed stare looking forward, like he's he's like in shock of what's going on. So either he is, it's a shock of straight confusion, and also yeah, once again, I'm scared that he had a concussion and that Phil caused that. <laughs> well, he did just drive through a giant groundhog, so he he probably has no clue what's really happening and what. Yeah, well, what good, and well, maybe uh, I mean this is not good for Ralph, but maybe he was like blacked out. Like he's just coming to like he doesn't even remember the train yeah. thing. Like okay. this just coming to the stop at the end kind of woke him up and he's like, Oh, he just kinda of wakes up and oh, we're at a window, there's a head there, maybe it's a drive through. I don't know. <laughs> um although we don't see and just going back to uh the possibility of concussion or how injured these guys might be, we don't see anything on the windshield. Um, although I can't tell if it's scratched or dirt, but it looks like any damage to the windshield is just from the the giant wooden fill. It doesn't look like anyone has, you know, their head hasn't hit 
mm-hmm. the windshield, which would be the danger if you're if you're driving or you're you're in the front seat of a car and you're not wearing your seatbelt and it comes to a sudden stop, that's where your head's going to go. It's going to go right into the windshield and it'll kind of form that spider web crack. That would be the real danger. But at least, it, you know, so that didn't happen. So maybe the worst of it is just uh, Gus's knee hitting, you know, hitting the dashboard kind of thing. Uh, um, Sean, we talked about the registration of this car being out of sync for a few mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Um, I think that proves it because there's not a single airbag that deployed. <laughs> if any i don't know i i have to assume at least the 70s had at least an airbag like somewhere near no the, oh don't no think probably not oh my no. god no aren't that like airbags like i don't know 2000 when did airbags start <laughs> no no i i know there at least been an airbag in every sedan as like since i've you know i've been in i think so i'm gonna uh, at least say the the mid 80s i have to say that because i mean I feel like that's when it has to be when like they started being like, okay, people are dying in cars now. We got to like actually start protecting them. I'm trying to think. Well, this so I mean, this is a '74 Cadillac that they're driving in. I can, I can almost guarantee. I don't even know if did, did airbags even exist in '74. On 11 July 1984, the U- U.S. government amended. Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard 208 to require cars produced after April 1st, 1989 hmm. to be equipped with a passive restraint for the driver. An airbag or seatbelt would meet the requirements of the standard. So that could could be that airbags were a feature mm-hmm. but weren't standard on all cars pr- prior to 1984. But as far as... Uh, Let's see. Airbags introduced in 1971. Oh, okay. Ford Car Company built an experimental airbag fleet. Well, and this is General Motors tested airbags on a 73 automobile. So probably not, uh, you know, common between the mid 70s and the mid 80s. Okay. Well, so not required and not like standard on all cars, kind of like today. But at the time, I mean, the, the here they're it's twenty years old when yeah. they're driving it here in '93, but brand new. Again, this is a, a, a Cadillac Fleetwood Eldorado. This would have been a higher end car in 1974. Might have been an available option. Yeah, uh, possibly. Hmm. Okay, well then I'm, I'll go with this idea. If it was an option, it probably was either like removed and sold off. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm like Gus totally bought this like second, third hand. I think. Right. Yeah, and he's these not guys the original. Driven, you know, this isn't the first night that they've driven after a late night bowling session. Definitely. So that right. that bag has deployed, and you know, probably not been replaced. Right. I mean, yeah. Gus even says, like, if we wanted to hit mailboxes, we could have let Ralph drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and don't like they they wear out, right? It's a, Even if they haven't gone off, mm-hmm. don't airbags have to be replaced? And it may be Ooh, like yeah. 10, 15 years, but there is like a service schedule mm-hmm. that, again, I'm sure that these gentlemen haven't kept up with. So mm-hmm. any, yeah, any airbag that was in this car is is long gone and they probably haven't bothered to replace it by the fact that it's it's February and their their registration expired you know in December. <laughs> so that's just one on top of everything else that's going on here. 
they're going to get the ticket for the expired registration. Yeah, and even That's then, like you know, is yeah, the amount the, the force that he hit those cars with, you know, whatever the payout they would have to in this hypothetical non-repeating situation, if it you know if we didn't have this day repeat. Right. It would it would it would bankrupt whatever the, these two guys had. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole situation because this is not Phil's car. Nope. Mm. You know, I, I doubt they took the time to, uh, you know, Gus or Ralph took the time to call up their insurance agent and say, "Hey, I have you know my buddy's going to be driving. <laughs> Put him on my policy." Yeah. <laughs> my insurance. It's your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we get a little shot. We cut to Phil's in the big house. Yeah, we don't get to see the other two. I hope, hopefully, Gus is taken to 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 Punxsutawney General <laughs> to check out his knee, and then the doctor's yeah. just going to be like, "You know what? You need a psychiatrist." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the answer Ralph's to everything. The drunk tank. <laughs> Ralph, yeah. yeah, Ralph the drunk tank. Gus to the hospital, and Phil right into the to a cell. Yeah, is this the first instance of? Phil not being in bed at the stroke of, you know, 6 a.m. Yeah. That we know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. So this is, uh, now, now, this is, before we go yeah. any further, I know we, t- we were trying to figure out what day that, like, what ver- uh, version of this day it was. Because mm-hmm. the tie changed, we talked about that tie changing between the psychiatrist office and, and the bowling alley. The tie, he went from that Paisley tie to the checkered tie. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to add an extra day because I doubt you know, he huh. woke up. But well, the, the theory was in my mind was that like you know for the rest of the day after the psychiatrist, maybe he just drank himself and he ran into these guys while drinking. And so the next day, when he had a checkered tie, he decided to get philosophical on them or something. I don't know, but we definitely have a day that was that like bet- between psychiatry and bowling alley, he changed his tie. We know that that's a fact, right? And he actually seems to start wearing it. I was kind of looking at some early, later men's while I was doing the summaries. I think he's going to be wearing that checkered tie more. Like he stopped with the Paisley tie. I don't know if that means something, but because um, I think when, when he's about to wake up and go down, we'll, I'm just going to get right to this point. We'll go and we'll go back. He goes and he walks into the bed and breakfast with a uh, checkered tie. And that's the only thing I can think of is that maybe that was the easiest way for Harold Ramis and Bill Murray to get the edits of like where they were in the story. Maybe mm. like Paisley tie. That'll be your first act tie. Now we're at, mm-hmm. now we're in act two checkered tie. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's something we can keep a, a, an eye on and it help us track. Cause like kind of track the days. Cause while he's in the cell, they had to take his tie. So he doesn't hang himself. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, of course, you know, they, they probably, yeah, yeah, they got his belt, his tie, shoelaces, whatnot, you know? Hmm. Um, and and so speaking of prison, this is so this is the restaurant we've talked about how the the big building that they pass by the uh, by uh, by the square that's playing Gobbler Gobbler's Knob in the movie is um, an old courthouse in the adjacent jail, and that the jail has since been turned into a restaurant. And and Ramis talks about it in the. Um, in the commentary track on the Blu-ray that they actually had to move, that they used the jail cells as like booths in the restaurant and they had to move the table out to film this scene. So this is in the, this is in the crepe restaurant. (laughs) So they are, (laughs) that they're filming this scene. Crepes right next to them filming. I got, that's what you're telling me. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool that I, I, I'm so curious if, like, that crate place, if the jail cell bars are still there and, like, oh, my gosh. That's so funny. An architecture of a – yeah. I mean, we talked about this already with George a while ago, but just – that's so funny. Just the jailhouse to turn into a, uh, you know, a, a Parisian restaurant. Yeah, we got a I, – I just I, – it's now on my, like, my list of places that I need to visit. At some yeah. point in my life, Woodstock, Illinois, and go through, uh, you know, all the all the sites and, and locations of the movie, and I'll have to eat in the, the crepe restaurant and see if they can put me in a cell. Yeah. Put us in a cell? No, I'm coming. Don't, us in a cell. Don't yeah, you're coming. don't book okay. out of town and not tell me. Uh uh-uh. uh. We're <laughs> all gonna right. call we're up. All, we're all coming. We're calling up the people over at the Cherry Street and on B and B, and we're gonna reserve a damn room, and we're gonna do it. There you go. It's a date. <laughs> Uh, okay, all right. So there we go. Right. We got Phil waking up in bed. Oh yeah. And for the for the first time, he's happy. He's happy yeah. to wake up in Punxsutawney. He's happy to be here in Sunny and Chair. And he's it, happy it, to have he's, a do over. Like, yeah, he gets the do over. He's even he's ahead of the DJs. <laughs> yeah, they're still playing the song, and he's into the whole rap with. It's cold out there today. It's Miami Beach, hardly. <laughs> yeah. It's, I like uh, I like reinvigorated Phil because this is like that. Like I said, I think last uh, last minute that it's kind of cycled around to him having fun and and beginning of him playing with the rules and and playing with this whole world. So mm-hmm. th- this is where the movie starts to get really fun, you know. Yeah. So we see, you know, the the outward appearance is a happy, lighthearted Phil. But as we see, it's not – that doesn't necessarily mean that he's really content because he hasn't yet decided, you know, to, for lack of a better phrase, to use his powers for good. You know, he's, is, is he – well, I guess I'll leave it as a question because we'll see in the coming minutes. You know, is he going to – you know, is he doing this for good or is he just going to use this opportunity to, to break rules without consequences? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's riding off of the revelation that – um, he can do anything. You know, there are no rules, there are no consequences, and and playing off of everything that kind of happened before. I guess in minute what thirty two, where he they talk about things. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. He can do whatever he wants. So, right. I think right. that this is that first day of like oh, I can go out and do whatever I want. So, you know, it's like you being written a blank check and you get, uh, you know, go out and do whatever he wants. So he's going to have fun today. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up. Do you think that he even at this point now did he even shower? Did he even wash his face is my question. <laughs> you know, cause we always, we would talk about that with our, with our, with our guests. Like at what point does Phil kind of like, uh, why do I even, why, why even wash my face? Like why even uh, brush my teeth? And, you know, he may bring this up later. Who knows? I can't talk about that. It's another minute. But, uh, you know, he goes, he goes, you know, goes, he's, he's go, yeah, it was Miami Beach. And then he goes right into the, the, the dining room. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and that's kind of one of the things that, I don't know, we'll, we, we've touched on a little bit before. It's probably a road that it doesn't pay to go too far down just because I don't know if there's any satisfying conclusions we can draw that, the things around him, he seems, Phil seems to be hitting certain points at the same time every day. 
just because we we see all the you know the other guests yeah at the bed and breakfast are all in the same position and Mrs. Lancaster is kind of in the same position that she's always in when he comes down but yeah again so he does that mean everything him showering and dressing and and all that has to take the same amount of time as it took the other days where it's like yeah it it doesn't make sense for him it doesn't make sense you know to, to bother shaving and stuff like that and you know maybe the first day he he packed up before leaving because he expected to be checking out so probably part of his regular morning routine is kind of get his suitcase and stuff together so he's just ready to go as soon as the broadcast ends, whereas, you know, this morning, as as we'll see later, he's not planning on leaving at all. Chance of departure is is zero <laughs> it, percent. It, yeah. it sucks we didn't get to see him talk to the man on the stairs. Ah, I have the same. I was like, because all right, because yeah, it's so fun that he has the he now really has the power in this conversation against Mrs. Lancaster. You know, he's not like scared and trying to. Uh, Deja vu. Did you ever get this feeling? Like he's like he's now he's in control, <laughs> and she's scared because he goes, "No, I slept like a baby, and I know what you're the game you're playing. I know that every woman is going to ask me if I slept. How I slept, and I'm on yeah. to you, Mrs. Lancaster. I feel like this day he's he just came downstairs from punching the man <laughs> on the stairs, you know, in the face, just like uh, he will later. Oh man, um, that would be that would wow. Because that's yeah. how this day is going to go. He's not going to take any, you know, crap from anybody. He's going to do whatever he wants this day because he knows that there are no, no consequences. So, oh my god! I mean, he 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 grabs, you know, Miss Lancaster and plants one, you know, right on her lips. Like he's going to do whatever he wants. So I feel, now I feel bad. That guy, a guy on the stairs comes upstairs <laughs> and like, oh yeah, he's late. He just he just filled just out cold. Boom. Yeah. Like oh Phil, like Ned deserves yeah. it definitely. We, like <laughs> like I I honestly when I started these minutes you know and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can make a defense for Ned. No Ned like he goes to to insurance salesman sleaze too fast. Yeah. So uh yeah so he has got the high ground and he's more than happy to have the coffee. That's that's my last note. Hmm. Anything else, Travis? Um, let me think. Uh, not really. I'm I'm good on this okay, one. Okay, cool, cool. Sean, anything else? Um, no, I, I think the only other thing that I wanted to note is that uh, so Phil has he, – he surpassed the point where there are external consequences. You know, he's not um, – you know, he's not still in jail. He's not injured or anything else from the night before. But there's still internal consequences. He still knows what he did. He still remembers what happened – the you know the day before so so just as you know there's no there is it, it's not a complete and total okay. freedom even if it's free from from external consequences that's that's it and uh yeah <laughs> and i did i did miss the man in the hallway i kind of got used to seeing yeah him every I, I cannot wait till we but, kind of like we double back and get back to the man <laughs> in the hallway and see what how him and phil are doing <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll catch up with him another day, I suppose. All right. Well, Travis, we want to thank you for joining us. And yeah. if uh, listeners want to hear more of you, where can they find more about you? Um, they can actually check me out on my other podcast, my my first podcast, Real Comic Heroes. That's real with two E's. And over there, um, me and my partner Patrick, we review, uh, revisit, you know, old uh, 
comic book movies primarily. We've added uh, other kind of genres to our our list of movies, but over there we do things chronologically. And we started with uh, Superman and the Mole Men from 1951. Wow. And then we've uh, just been progressing through our list of movies, you know, uh, based on release order. So we're, we've, we've made it to the 1980s, um, 1987 as of this recording. And we just did uh, Evil Dead 2, um, Transformers the movie, uh, the animated movie. Um, we're coming up on Predator and Spaceballs. Ooh. So – Um, yeah, so we, we have fun going, you know, going through, uh, through the timeline of comic book and geeky movies. So that's gonna be so exciting. What's going to happen when you get like somewhere around the late nineties, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. Just, just keep on trucking. It's going to be a lot of movies. It's a real, it's a real, it will be like, but right before, you know, like that, that year, right before X-Men and Spider-Man, you know, it's a real mystery Mm. What goes on around then? Yeah. <laughs> Real mystery so what happens curious. in around 1999. So yeah. Well, we are men of mystery, so you'll just have to stay tuned and find <laughs> out what we do. Ooh. Uh, now, you guys, and you have, so kind of tie into what we're doing here, covering a movie uh, directed by Harold Ramis starring Bill Murray. Yeah. You've you've got some some Ramis-Murray collaborations in, in your uh, repertoire that you've covered with that podcast, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, we did Ghostbusters. Yeah. We had uh, Ralph Atanasia from Cake Boss was our guest on that one. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, awesome. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, so another great podcast and for folks that, uh, you know, not not every movie has to be covered <laughs> one minute at a time or five minutes at a time. Sometimes you can just, you can talk about a whole movie. Yeah. What, a, what a concept. It's crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> Cool, cool, yeah. So, so real podcast network, real pod, real, real comic heroes, in, yeah. Real, uh, real comic yeah. heroes is the name of the podcast, yeah. and it's R E E L. Yep, like a movie reel. There you go. All right. Well, so uh, thanks a lot, Travis. Uh, can you come back? Can we get you get you one more? Bring you back tomorrow. I'll uh, I'll try. We'll get the uh, the exciting conclusion to uh, this interaction <laughs> with uh, Mrs. Lancaster here and. And see how the rest of this day unfolds. Will Bill Murray get coffee? (laughs) Find out tomorrow. Yeah, it's a bit of a cliffhanger. So, uh, yeah, so so come on back. And listeners, you guys, uh, come on back. You folks, come on back as well. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you tomorrow, if there is one.